This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What's going on today, Kyle? Well, today we're recovering why you should not use universal life to practice the infinite banking concept. Is that a simple answer? No, it's actually not. (laughs) Some may uh, lead you to believe that it is simple, but when you dig down deep, it's it's really not. This is a, um, if you guys listen to other infinite banking concept podcasts, um, you are going to find a lot of hate for the universal life insurance product. Definitely. Um, some of it, it is earned, <clears throat> and some of it was um, what I would call as not completely honest sales tactics from agents. And so, Kyle and I really want to give you a balance, um, a balanced approach at this, um, not necessarily taking sides, um, because quite frankly, our view is this is a tool, and if it's used correctly, it can work. It can work really good for people. Yeah, but if it isn't used correctly, you you could be you know heading it down a bad path. Yeah, we just we aren't totally against universal life, but we don't promote it, and we definitely think it shouldn't be used for infinite banking. But <clears throat> it shouldn't be probably hated as much as it is. I guess is one way of putting it. Yeah, I think people like to choose sides and be like, you know, well, this is why whole life is better, or this is why universal life is better. In fact, they do some of the things similarly. It doesn't happen the same way, but they the way they get there, the way they get to a point in the future happens differently. Maybe yeah. that's the way I should put it. Yeah, and we don't sell universal life, and we don't really have any plans to get involved with that either. We just think education is important, and it's it's not fair to the product what agents have done to it. Right. And some of the claims made, either for or against it, to sure. be honest, either way. Yeah. And, you know, probably the biggest selling point of universal life is you have the chance of earning much higher rates of return in the policy than you do with whole life. But that that is the chance. It's not guaranteed. Right. And I would arguably say that... Um, you can look back and see that policies that have some have earned higher than whole life, some have earned less than whole life. You yeah. Know? Um, I personally don't have any of those policies in my possession, but I, I'm just saying it's an argument that you can make probably. Sure. <clears throat> so should we get into this, Kyle? Yeah. So universal life, when when did it come on the scene? Because we talk about whole life, dividend paying whole life has been around for over 200 years. Um what about universal life? Well, it came around in the early 80s, and it was kind of the insurance company's way of competing with the stock market. I would say that, and there was also a lot of um, anti-whole life insurance propaganda going around. Yep. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but oftentimes whole life insurance will be referred to as a black box, and you can't understand what's going on with it. Well, that's true. It doesn't just necessarily break down all the fees, insurance expenses, and things like that going on, but it isn't 
necessarily a black box. At the end of the day, you can see how much money you have access to. Yeah. Universal life clearly breaks down insurance costs, mortality expenses, and things like that. And uh, they rise when you get older. Like those insurance costs, mortality costs, they, they rise. And, and what you're saying is they rise because you are getting older, so it just naturally costs more yeah. for term insurance. And they don't have like a guaranteed minimum to keep the policy in force. Like when you work with us, you know what your minimum is that you need to be putting in every year to keep it in force. And, you know, universal life insurance, it is not that way. And if you've been underfunding it for a while, you could have to potentially pay huge premiums to keep that thing rolling. Yeah. And so let's, let's explain how this works. So people um, have a good grasp of this and we aren't just touching the surface. Universal life typically is sold with what they call a target premium. So if you pay this much, this much money, we believe that your policy will stay in force. The insurance company isn't guaranteeing it, but they're suggesting this as your target premium and they believe your policy will stay in force. Now, if you look at what's guaranteed in the policy, that isn't the case. Mm -hmm. But to be quite honest, the things that are guaranteed in the policy aren't very likely to happen. The, and what do I mean by that? The insurance cost, okay, it rises with your age, but they can also increase the amount, um, the rate at which they charge you that insurance as well, okay? So that would be different from them just charging you more because you're getting older. They could, further above that, raise the cost of insurance. Yeah. Now that is built into a guaranteed ledger on one of these policies. Could that happen? Yes. Is it likely to happen? No. Has there been cost of insurance increases? Yes. It's just not very likely that it's going to go to the guaranteed maximum. Yeah. The other thing is, it's highly unlikely that you're going to earn only the, the bare minimum guaranteed interest rate with these policies. Mm-hmm. Can it happen? Yes. Anything can happen, but it's very unlikely. So pretty much, I mean, you know, saying all this, it just lacks the solid guarantees that whole life insurance gives you. Yeah. Whole life insurance like gives you that exact blueprint, that roadmap of, hey, if you pay this much money, we're guaranteeing that you know, this performance will happen into the future. It could be better than that, but we'll guarantee this. Yeah. And um, aside from that, with these whole life insurance products, um, or excuse me, with these universal life insurance products, this is something that we, we always mention in whole life, so we need to mention this about universal life as well, okay? Well, let's say things did only pan out to what the guarantee is, but if you earn or have interest credited to you in a year, that is going to bump up what the guaranteed ledger is on a universal life insurance policy, just like it would a whole life insurance policy. Yeah. Except with universal life, it's like an interest is credited, whereas life insurance, you earn dividends. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. So those, to be fair, we need to point that out with, with both of these policies. Yeah. And, you know, you can be sold a policy that where. You know, you may be able to pay in 10000 a year, but your minimum is maybe 5000 a year. And you can... Pay Are you that, talking about whole life insurance yeah, right now? Yeah, whole Kyle? life insurance here. You can pay that minimum 5000 every year, and you know that it's always going to be in force. Yep. It does not matter. Now, on the flip side, if they... I don't really know 
a correct range, but if they, you know, if you have a policy where you can pay up to 10,000, but they say you can pay way less and you just fund that minimally, you know, throughout the life of the policy, you're putting yourself at great risk of having that blow up and lapse. Right. Okay. Here's another selling point of universal life, Kyle. Highly flexible premium payments. Yep. Okay. You can reduce the amount of premium you pay. You have the potential that the policy was designed correctly to pay more premium into the policy, or you can just skip a payment. Okay. Absolutely. You can do those things, but you are going to reap what you sow. If you don't pay very much money into this policy, the chances of it lapsing in the future are are much much greater. Yeah. Um. And and I'll just say this: you should monitor your universal life insurance policy to make sure you're staying on target. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now this this also um I want to keep going here, Kyle, because how you were talking about adjusting the premium way down, that leads me into sales tactics that we mentioned in the intro of this podcast. Yep. So when Universal Life first came out, um, it showed or illustrated these crazy high interest rates, mm-hmm. you know, going all the way into the future of when the policy is going to endow or at the time that you're ready to pass. Yeah, 8%, you, was co- 8% was common to see throughout yeah, the life of the policy. Absolutely. Okay. Now, because of that, we could illustrate that a universal life insurance policy has a much lower required premium to stay in force than a whole life insurance policy because the whole life insurance policies were not, um, they were not showing that aggressive of an illustration. Mm -hmm. Now what happened to those universal life insurance policies that were pitched that way? Well, of course to an unsuspecting um, potential client, If you show them the typical person, they aren't looking to build cash value, Kyle. If you show them a policy that, uh, and I'm just making these numbers up here, with universal life insurance has a $3,000 premium for a $100,000 death benefit, or a whole life insurance policy that has a $10,000 premium for the same $100,000 death benefit, what are they going to choose? The cheaper one. The $3,000 premium all day long. But they didn't understand that if those interest rate assumptions didn't pan out into the future, mm-hmm. that that premium wasn't going to be enough to deliver that $100,000 death benefit. Whereas with the whole life insurance policy, that was guaranteed that the company would make good on its promise for that $100,000 death benefit. Yeah, and a lot of times they don't even know they could pay more in. You know, They, they don't even know what the, the full premium is. They're just sold that, oh yeah, pay this and you're good. Yeah, because because we all look at insurance or a lot of us look at insurance as I want the most amount of benefit for the least amount of cost. Yep. And our thought is never that I should pay more into this product. Yes. Now, I do want to say, if you would treat this universal life insurance policy like the whole life insurance policy and pay the same $10,000 a year premium, you're likely going to be setting yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. you're likely going to be setting yourself up for success at that point in time. Still don't recommend using it for IBC. Right. Yeah. I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm mm-hmm. just, um, I want to be totally fair to this product. It's a tool and it can work very well if people use it correctly. But the problems people get into, you know, we assume high rates of return um, or people, you know, if you have the ability, Kyle, 
to reduce a premium. And then you do that and you're like, well, gosh, I don't even need to pay this premium actually. You know, that's what, that's what causes these things to implode. Yeah. So it's, it's important to know the full story on it and not just someone's take who has a little bit of understanding. There's been some, some, uh, conversation in the IBC world in the last year over universal life and how how bad it is you know just just blatantly saying it's just bad overall and then there's some other people have you know came up and said hey you're not speaking truly and completely about this and so we just want you to be aware that it's just like anything else nothing is all bad or all good mm-hmm. yep um should we back up now Kyle and we didn't exactly explain so whole life insurance is this black box. Well, how is universal life different? Like, okay, we said, well, you can clearly see what your costs are and stuff, but how is it constructed? Like what makes it up? Well, like the insurance side, it's pretty much annual renewable term. Right. And then they have a side bearing interest account, which is your cash value. Yep. And that can be linked to um, potentially an indice where your credited interest, based on how that performs, um, your money could actually be in the market in a, in a sub account mm-hmm. if you have variable life insurance, um, or it could be a part of the general account with um, if you have current assumption universal life. There is a ton of different types yep. of universal life, guys. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that this stuff can work. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what next, Kyle? I mean, this product, so we have good things to say about it. We have bad things to say about it. What, it, what does it come down to, though, in the end? Why do we not like to use universal life? It just, like we said earlier, it lacks the solid guarantees and certainty that you need when you're going to be financing things. You, I mean, if you're financing you know, an equipment purchase and your policy blows up or a land purchase, that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And when we say blow up, I mean, we aren't talking about some catastrophic mess, but this is, this is how I like to relay it to people is that imagine that you're leveraging your IBC policy heavily to finance things. What if, again, this isn't likely to happen, but what if you have an IUL policy and the market doesn't perform for three years in a row, your insurance costs are outweighing your floor, whether that's 0%, 1%, 2%, whatever your policy is, okay, that's going to put you in a tough position when when your life insurance policy is actually shrinking by small amounts each year. Yep. Whereas if you're highly leveraged, you don't want to have to worry about that happening with your policy. With the whole life insurance policy, you don't have to worry about that. That that yep. is that is my biggest um my own biggest reason for why I believe whole life makes so much more sense than universal life for mm-hmm. infinite banking. Sure. Um and again, I mean we've mentioned that whole life insurance has really strong guarantees, and that's why we like it for infinite banking, the fact that cash values only increase, death benefit only increases. Um, these are things that are very important to you when you're using this policy as a line of credit. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what else do we need to cover with this, Kyle? Um, I think we got the gist of it to where people can 
you know, have a rough understanding of what it is and why it's not the not the devil it's made to be probably in the IBC world, but why you shouldn't use it for IBC. Mm-hmm. So. Should we go over? I mean, this is the hottest. Um, this is the hottest universal life thing right now is indexed universal life. Should we just go over that? Yeah, we, we can. Um, okay, so IUL. You have it's the same thing. The the renewable term insurance with an interest bearing side account. With this, you are linking your money to some type of indices. Typically, it's like the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. And there are different types of indexes that you can put the money in within this. So there might be like a high cap account or something like that. And there may be um, be, uh, an account to where you have a 1% or 2% floor, but they're going to limit how much you can earn because of that floor that they're giving you. Yep. Okay. So this product in theory looks awesome, okay? We have the ability to participate in market returns partially or fully, but we don't go down with the market, right? Because mm-hmm. we have the 0% floor, you know. Um, I would say cap rates too right now in the industry are somewhere around the 8 to 11% range. That depends on the insurance companies and what type of index you're, you're linking this to. Um, but I would say that's a pretty good range for everybody. The problem with this is, is just what we were saying earlier, though. The fact that you can have a 0% floor and still go backwards with this account. Yeah, because your insurance costs can rise. Absolutely. Your insurance costs could, if you don't earn anything and you have a 0% floor, something's going to have to cover those costs. Yep. So, I mean, it's still, it's... It's a tool, and it, and it can be used very effectively, but you just need to understand what it is. Yeah, and when, when he says market cap, so if it's a 10% cap and the market earns 20% that year, that means you're going to get 10% of that growth. The insurance company is going to take the rest. Yeah, they're capping that. Yep. Um, and there could also be things where there's a, um, a spread to where – Maybe the insurance company takes 6% and you participate in everything else. So if the market does 8%, you get 2%. Yep. If the market does 40%, you get 34%, so to speak. So there is all sorts of different ways that those things work. That, I would say, by far is the most popular universal life product right now on the market. Yep. Um, But that's a rough sketch of how that one works. Um. And so I, I think that this gives you guys a good, a good solid base to work from when you're trying to evaluate why we use whole life insurance and not universal life insurance. But Kyle, I think we were pretty fair to each yeah, of them. Definitely. So if you guys have any more questions on this, um, feel free to email us and let us know and we'll, we'll help with what we can. So, okay. All right. That's all I have too, Kyle. So, all right. See you guys next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.